we lift our hands and our voices and just give God a shout of praise because he's worthy. Why don't we lift our voices and just give God a shout of praise because he's holy and we've come to give him praise and worship out of our heart that his glory would fill the temple. Hallelujah. Why don't we give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. He's good all the time. He's worthy to be praised. Let's continue our praise and our worship to Him. With our tithes and offering, if you would come, give unto the Lord with worship in our hearts. Shaken together and running over. I am a tither and I bring my tithe and offering today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked and the curse is broken. I live under an open heaven and you pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, and royalties received. My whole family saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. And all that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. We say amen by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. There will be no service tonight. It is the last Sunday of this month. So we'll be together with our families. And there will be Bible study tomorrow night. Amen. So as they continue to sing and we continue our worship, why don't we lift our hands? And as the psalmist says, with my whole heart, I have sought for thee. That means that there's nothing left of our heart that remains reserved from him. That with every part of our life, every secret place, everything that we may even be ashamed of, we seek him. And if we'll get honest in our worship, and honest in our prayer today, the Lord will visit us where we are. So why don't we give him everything we are today? All of our shortcomings, everything that we're not proud of, why don't we just give it to him today? With our whole heart, we seek him together. And I believe the glory of God is here. There is no doubt. 
just continue the praise and the worship this morning? Hallelujah. Just take a moment. Just continue with the hand clap of praise this morning. Let's lift up the name of Jesus in praise and worship today. Hallelujah. I believe it'd be appropriate. Let's just continue to worship him this morning. He's worthy of it all.
move in the spirit today. The presence of God is flowing amongst us today. Aren't you thankful that we serve a living God? The man at Bethesda had completely given up on his chances of being healed. But Jesus showed up and said, would you be healed? There was a group of friends that said, unless Jesus lays hands on my friend, he won't be healed. So they tore a roof down. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be restored. The centurion said, if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. So that tells me that no matter where you are today in your faith, wherever you are in your confidence in God's ability to heal you or touch your situation, Whatever experience you've ever had with Jesus before, it doesn't matter because Jesus honored all four of those situations. All four of those people left restored because of the power of his name. So if you've got a need today, please understand that you don't have to leave the same way. If you've never encountered Jesus before, if this is your first time ever in a service, God can touch your need today. The only requirement is that we have faith in his name. Do you believe that with me? I believe it. Sister Katie's in need of a touch of God. She asked that we pray for her today. And little Charlie is in need of a healing as well. If you've got a need, would you lift your hands, signifying your need that you believe God can touch you today. I believe there's miracles here today because Jesus is here. You've got a situation. Would you call that name before him? Call that situation out. And let's go before him in prayer together. Jesus. We thank you for what we already feel in this place. I thank you for the promise of your word that you still heal. That you are the same God. That there are still miracles today. God, by the authority of your name, I speak healing in this place. That there would be faith that arises in every heart. That you would move upon that faith. And there would be a restoration in the minds, in the bodies, in the hearts. God, I believe that you're doing it today. In Jesus' name. Why don't we lift our hands, lift our voices, and let's thank Him in advance for what He's doing. As they continue to sing, why don't we worship Him in advance? The healing's here. The hand of God is moving on our behalf, and God is doing a work in our families and our hearts today.
unto you I want to give you life and life more abundantly he went to Calvary like I preached last Sunday what good's the message if I don't partake of the power he wants to deliver he wants to heal the question is, is how bad do I want it am I willing to abandon all my thoughts and concepts it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. It doesn't matter who your mom and your daddy is. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you've got faith as the grain of a mustard seed and can express that somehow to him, you're a candidate for the miraculous. You can be healed in your mind. You can be healed in your body. Your family can be healed. And all it takes is one act of faith. one act of faith one lifting of a voice one lifting of a hand one one shout from your belly it can cause the heavens to open it's a matter of how bad do I want it how bad do I want it whether I was going to make heaven or not. I got tired of just knowing this, this, this conviction in my heart. I'd hear preacher after preacher preach and I'd be around people and I was convicted. And I got tired of that old heaviness knowing I wasn't right with God. Till finally came a day. Brother Ed, I didn't care what nobody thought about me. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what they, they knew my path. I didn't care about none of that, Brother Ed. Something in me, it, it was like something I just, I really feel that's how it was with that gathering that was devil-possessed. I wasn't devil-possessed. My mom and daddy probably thought I was. But I wasn't, Brother Ed. But I just got tired of seeing and feeling things that I knew I could change. 
And when I broke out, brother, everything changed. And I felt freedom like I never felt before. No church gave it to me. It was a decision I made. And what I did, oh, my whole world changed. My whole world changed. Is there anybody that you remember that day? What it was like when you first got the Holy Ghost. What it was like when you first raised your hands and you felt free. What it was like when you first just shouted from your belly. Yes! Something happened in your heart and mind. It's real. It's real. Sunday school, you're dismissed today. Don't forget this upcoming week, we've got men's conference. You can go online, ibcupc.com. They got a link there. They've... They've embedded it within our website. Click on it. You can register for men's conference starting this week, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, Saturday. Next week, we've got store, bro, bridge, Friday, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, Sunday, Saturday morning again. So back-to-back weeks, we got Brother Jerome Bourne going to be with us next weekend. So we've got two weeks full of activities. And you know what, folks? These things are done not just to take up our time and, and make us weary, but they're done for one reason to make everything possible for you and I to say, I had every chance in the world to try to get closer to God. I want to be a part of whatever God puts there in my path. I thank God for that. If you got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 24. Revelation, media, keep 24 up there for me. I'm going to go back to it. Genesis chapter 24. Starting with verse 56. While everyone's turning there, I'm going to read Revelation. Chapter 21, real quickly. And verse 1. And I saw a new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband Genesis 24 56 and he said unto them hinder me not seeing the Lord hath prospered my way sending me away that I may go to my master they said we will call the damsel inquire at her mouth verse 58 is where I won't take or pay special attention to they called Rebekah and said, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Will you go with a man you've never seen before? Will you go with this man describing a man that you've never seen before? And I want to preach today. I'm struggling to see, but I know. I'm struggling to see. But I know there's something in here that knows it's real. But I'm struggling to see that I'm going to be a part of it. Lift your hands one more time and just ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, God help us today. I ask for a special anointing. Your word's already anointed. But touch our minds with that anointing that we can receive your word today. Comprehend what you're trying to do and that your word would be clear today like never before we pray. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless you. You may be seated.
I'm struggling to see much of the struggle that you and I face in our ability to see that heaven is real is the chaos that we live in in present. If you would just take a quick self-assessment and begin to just look over your last few days, don't go too far back, but just think of the day yesterday or the day before. Did heaven cross your mind? Did, did, did a relationship with God cross your mind? Did God cross your mind? And probably if you and I would answer no, it's not that you and I purposefully just negated the thought. It would be because of some chaotic moment or some distraction that came to us through the day or a phone call or maybe something that just weighs so heavy on your heart. Maybe it's a family member. It's a family situation. It's a circumstance that you're facing today or you face in that moment that, that it just drew you away and so captivated your attention that you just didn't even register with the thought. But you know what? It really don't matter because God has the final say. You see, when you look at it from the perspective of He's gone away to prepare a place for you and I. Folks, that's why we come to church. Our Wednesday night Bible study has been laced with the last few Wednesdays with the one thing, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord, we're, we, we've heard it preached for so many years and I fear or I, I'm concerned with many of us are like the ten virgin women with their lamps. Five were foolish and five were wise. Five in their wisdom knew just how to, to trim the lamp. They knew just how to use the energy, the effort, what they had. Speaking of the oil, they knew how to use it at the right time. Then the others just spent recklessly and didn't have any care or any caution for it. I really am concerned with the depth of my heart or from the depth of my heart that because of the chaos that we live in, it has caused our eyes and minds to become dull and blinded. When God has a full purpose for you and I to believe with everything we have, heaven is real and he wants you and I to go. That's the message for today. He doesn't want anybody to be left. He doesn't want anybody to be forgotten about. But because of what I fight, because I face things on all parameters, every part of my life is bombarded with fear and worry and concern. Feelings of it's just never going to work out. It's never going to come together. I'm never going to find this joy that I hear preached about. I'm never going to have the peace that I hear is preached about. I'm never going to have the wholeness that is preached about. Is there anybody other than me that has heard message after message and only to leave saying, I don't know if I will ever get that because the chaos in my home, the hell that I face in my home, the struggle that I face in my mind is greater than anything that I could imagine heaven could be. Our battle is not that we don't believe. Our battle is maintaining the position that it's for me. That God wants me to be a part of it. I heard an analogy in a picture someone gave of eternity. They used a bowling ball and they said, if a bird would pass by that bowling ball, 
one time a year and let his wing pass over that ball. And when that, as he would pass, he would quick, or he would begin to make that bowling ball diminish to the size of a marble. They said eternity would just be beginning. It puts into perspective for you and I how temporal this life really is. How temporal you and I, what we're worrying about today, really in the big picture of eternity, it really doesn't matter. But everything I do now for an eternal significance, that does matter. That's why I encourage people, if there's ever a time for you and I to live for God with all of our heart, it's now. Don't wait for another day because heaven's real and God wants you there. He wants you and I to be a part of what he's doing. Man, I've heard messages through the years of heaven. But have we really bought into the fact that he said, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place. Revelation in 21, 1, he said it. He said, I'm building a place for my bride. You and I are the bride. You look at the very beginning of how this this story unfolds how he started in the beginning with Adam. And there he brought to Adam a bride. He brought to Adam, he made a woman. The word made says, or it comes from a Hebrew word, banna. It means to build. God literally went down and he built a bride for Adam. He didn't just do it like Adam. He didn't just breathe in her. He built her, especially designed to fulfill the companionship that Adam needed. Because you see, the picture in all of that is this. Just as much as Adam needed a companion, Jesus Christ is looking for a companion. He's looking for a bride. Just as Adam needed a bride, the need hasn't changed. What I want you to see in it is just as much as Adam needed somebody, you say, well, God don't need anything. No, he don't. But in his humanity, he died for one reason. Brother Sean, that was to build, to purchase, and to build a bride. Jesus said it like this, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. God built the church for one reason not to become an organization not to become an institution not to become a building that you and I just occupy but when you and I repent of our sins and we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and we're baptized in Jesus name you've now come in covenant with him you're now part of the bride you're not just a, a stationary on a sign I-V-U-P-C you're more than that you're the bride of Christ and he said I've got to go away because I've got to prepare a place for my bride he's got a honeymoon suite for you and I like we've never seen before and it'll be far more greater once we get there but between then and now I struggle with seeing that it's for me I struggle because the chaos in my life is so in my face I don't even know if I've got faith to believe I'm going to even make heaven. I hear you this morning, preacher, and I feel that coming off of some of you here this morning. Well, I've heard heaven. I've heard it. I know. 
But what you've got to see is, is God's trying to redirect his church. He's trying to redirect people. Because, we, folks, if, if, if there's anything I've learned about truth, he said, for scarcely a righteous man's going to be saved. What does he mean by that? Here's my interpretation of that. We've heard things for so long that when it comes time to crossing over and the coming of the Lord's going to be here, there's going to be many that's going to be caught off guard because they've said this one thing. I've heard it long enough, and he never came. I had to face problems, and he never came. I had to face situations and he never came and our faith began to be and all along he's tried to tell you and I I'm coming back he came he came out of eternity walked in time and went back into eternity and he is the picture the elder brother for you and I you came out of eternity you're walking in time and you're going back into eternity there ain't no way to cut it one thing we all got in common we're going to die one day sister Terry Joe there's going to come a day that that funeral procession is going to come and take mama away and going to take daddy away and going to take you and I away but that doesn't cause you and I to stumble in our faith if I can lift my eyes high enough and put my faith in the right perspective the earth ain't my home this doesn't matter the only thing that matters is that I get as many people as I can to understand heaven is a place that he wants you and I but my struggle is to believe that God created Eve because of the need I know men you got men caves they call them I ain't got one really wish but I ain't got one need to build me a shop so I can have one and what is it saying you kind of resort to a place by yourself but come the end of the day, if the barbecue pit's broke, you'll be smelling Sister June's roast and saying, I'm coming out. It'd be mama, her wife. It'd be something I'm saying, whoa, I smell something you cooking in the kitchen. And what I thought I could kind of be hiding out on my own, something pulls me because of a need. I need to eat. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing because y'all don't eat, I guess. From the looks of y'all, hey, some of y'all been eating pretty good. Don't act all spiritual on me right now. I'm going to go, go carnal. <laughs> We've been eating good. My point is a need. There was a need in Adam that he had a help meet. And God brought it. See, it was more than just a help meet, though. It was a fulfillment of a prophetic picture. That's the deeper version of it. But just as much as Adam had that need, God's got that same need for you and I. Because we're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place that the bride could come. We ain't there yet. Oh, sometimes I wish we could be there now. I know there's a lot, and I want to see a lot of people saved. And I'm not trying to be unkind or ugly. I want them to get there, but I sure wish they'd hurry up. So us that's been tearing and praying and interceding for them that want to be rebellious, I wish they'd go ahead and hurry up so we can all go home together. 
And I know he's prepared a place. But oh, some days, Sister Peggy, Brother Keith, I struggle to see the, the beauty of what heaven's going to be like. I struggle to see really what it's going to be like when I get there. I struggle because the chaos, and if it ain't the Republicans and the Democrats, if it ain't the gas prices and the problems and the wars and the, y'all know that's prophecy, wars and rumors of war. One day it ain't going to be a rumor no more. It's going to be an all-out world war. I just pray the church is long gone when that takes place. See, these are the things I look for, Brother Roger, that when the government and everything goes chaotic and people are doing some of the craziest things I've ever seen, I kind of back up a little bit and I just kind of sing some of them old songs that says, this ain't my home, I'm just passing through. My home, my hope is laid up way beyond the blue. I'm not looking at that sky today. I'm looking at something beyond that it's streets of gold it's looking at the face of Jesus my savior that brought me through and kept me that's my hope so if I understand that his need and longing for my heart is in the very beginning of Genesis it helps me to understand that Zach when I'm struggling and I'm trying to get my footing. You need to remember this. He's pulling for you more than you're pulling for yourself. Because he's the bridegroom. And he's waiting for a day. He's saying, I'm trying to do everything on the earth for you. I gave you the Holy Ghost. I gave you an earnest gift. I gave you myself to live inside of you for one reason. To give you the strength and to equip you. That it doesn't matter what you face. You don't lose sight of the one thing. I brought you here for one reason. You're going to be my bride. You're going to be the one I'm going to put out in front of everybody. And tell everybody, this is my bride. They kept themselves spotless. They kept themselves. They kept themselves for me until that day. The fight you and I face now as the bride is we want to just kind of become like everybody else. We want to do it like everybody else does. We want to live like everybody else lives. You cannot be the bride of Christ and live like the world. It don't work that way. And some of the chaos that we're living in and the things we're facing is because we got one foot in and one foot out. We're trying to be the bride because we realize I want to make heaven my home, but yet I'm not willing to commit. Last time I checked, marriage is what? A commitment. It's thick and thin. And a whole lot of thick sometimes. These t-shirts are not very, they are very discriminating. They'll neck you without my tie, Brother Mark. That tie can hell hide that little belly roll. Marriage is a commitment. You're stuck with me. I ain't hear no amen, but you stuck with me. I ain't going nowhere. Why? Because I want to do everything in my power to have a happy home. A home that's pleasing unto God. And it's out of that commitment 
that I find joy. I find peace. I find the things that these preachers and we hear about over and over about living for God. Let me tell you, there's a joy when you and I commit to him with all of our heart saying, I'm going to be in the bride no matter what. I don't want to be like anybody else. I want to be like you want me to be God. I want to do what pleases you, God, not what pleases me. When God finds somebody, he said, that's a perfect bride for me. That's somebody. Let's go to Genesis. We got the story of Rebecca and her in the, the land of the family of Abraham. Abraham gets up in Genesis 24 and tells his servant Eliezer, I need you to go find a bride for me, my son. He's come to age. It's time for him to find a bride. Thank God. You didn't go find no bride for me, Dad. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. He wasn't in church then. Ain't no telling what I'd have come up with. Thank God. But then the custom was that daddy said, go find a bride. He sent his highest chief servant to go find it. He didn't send the bottom. He sent the best to go find a bride for the son. It's not coincidental that Genesis 24 is the longest chapter of the whole book of Genesis. Why? Because pre previous, Ge Genesis 21, 22, Isaac is a type of Christ. He's a type of the, the Jews or Gentile, I mean the Jewish nation. And 21, 22 shows the picture of Christ. Mount Moriah, the death, or in the mind of the Father, the Son was dead three days. It's a type of the resurrection, type of Calvary. But then after all of that, the son's there and he's looking now for a bride. Calvary's taking place. That's Mount Moriah. And now he needs a bride. Isaac has come from down from the mountain. Abraham's come down. He didn't have to lose his life. And now he needs somebody for the son. It's where you and I are now. Calvary's already taken place. The death, the burial, resurrection's already taken place. And God is looking for people to be a part of the bride. And Genesis 24 is the longest chapter because it's the dispensation or the picture prophetically showing how Christ is looking for his bride. It's one of the most important chapters in Genesis because it shows for you and I how long of a length God goes to find a bride for himself. He sends Eliezer to the land. He said, I don't want you to take, now watch, I don't want you to take of the brides of the Canaanites. I want you to go to someone of our family. Let me bring it down to our vernacular. I need you to get a bride that believes what we believe. So the Bible talks about don't be unequally yoked with somebody. I teach this to our young single adults. Don't be unequally yoked. Make sure that they're going the same direction that you're going in God. Don't let it be an unequally yoke because let me tell you, you may want to live for God with all your heart, but you're going to have a battle on your hands when they decide not to go. And he says, I don't want you to take a bride of the Canaanites. Don't take one from somebody that doesn't believe what we believe. Go to our family. Go to, the, go to our people. 
that transfers spiritually for you and I. That you take of somebody, you court somebody that believes this truth, this one God truth. Because if not, you're gonna have there's gonna be a bumping along the way. And as he begins his journey, he says, God, I'm asking you for favor. That when I get there, he said, let it be the one. I'm going to go to the well where all the young ladies come out. He said, but God, watch. I don't have time to pick and choose. God leaves it up to you and I whether we're going to be in the bride. Eliezer said, God, I don't have time on this mission. Because he would have done like all the people did with the king of Israel. He picked what was head and shoulders. That's why you and I, we think this one can be in the bride, but that one can't. It don't work that way. If they've got a heart to be in the church and live for God, it shouldn't matter what you and I think about them or their past. Eliezer didn't go picking and choosing and saying, I tell you what, I'm going to take the one that comes out looking the prettiest. He didn't do that. He prayed and said, God, I need you to lead her to me. He said, let it be the one you pick for it. Me and you choose whether we're going to be in what God has or not in what God has for us. But our struggle every day, Brother Roger, is trying to see that heaven is real for me. That God wants to have a relationship with me. And my battle every day, Brother brother Ed, you may be 80-something years old. You look great for 80. But hear me, the battle you're facing today is the same battle you faced 30 years ago. It doesn't matter age. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Distractions are around every one of us. It's a distraction after distraction it comes against our men it comes against our women it comes against our church it comes against preachers it comes against missionaries but if I keep one perspective I gotta keep my eyes on him I gotta keep my eyes on the heavenly it doesn't matter what looks good what feels good it's a matter of what's pleasing to God and Eliezer said it's the one that comes and brings Water to my camels. Now, this dude left with ten camels, Sister Claudia, to find one bride. I know, God love our ladies. You pack with a lot of suitcases. But ten camels, come on now. You packing a lot. Because God's trying to show you and I. Ten's a significant number and I get that later. But he was trying to show that bride. You're valuable to my master. You're valuable to the master. You're important to what your whole existence. God cares about you. And God does everything in his power to reach for you and I. To try to show you. I want you to be in the bride. I want you to be a part of the church, not IVUPC. Come on, there's churches all over. As long as they're preaching truth, that's all that matters right now. It doesn't matter whether you're on a membership card. It's a matter of did I embrace truth? And Eliezer's a type of truth. 
That's why Jesus said, I go away, but I'll come again. I'm not sending another. I'm going to send the comforter in my name. The spirit of truth. Hear me. What Jesus was saying was this, I am waiting for a bride, but I'm, I got to go away. But when I go away, I'm going to send a comforter that's going to help you. That when the road gets rough and the road gets weary and you're waiting for the bridegroom to come, the comforter is going to bear you up. The spirit of truth. That's why anybody ever says, I don't need the Holy Ghost. They don't have truth. I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have truth. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And without it, you can't have truth. But if I get the Holy Ghost, I get truth. Not the fullness, but an elementary understanding of salvational truth. And Eliezer shows up with ten camels, Brother Darrell. And out of all those ladies at the well... Like a Miss USA pageant. They coming out on display because you got a new guy at the, at, at the water well. Oh, I'm waiting on some of y'all to get here today. Come on, it's T-shirt Sunday, folks. They waiting on the, could this be my chance? And watch. They missed the mark. Rebecca didn't wait. She grabbed a pitcher and she started getting water. For the camels. Now, that picture, Sister Gail, that picture, picture, not picture. Some people say picture like it's a picture. No, it's a picture. Like Kool-Aid picture. Y'all with me? I'll tell you, Sister Agnes, I'm struggling today trying to get everybody here. It, it approximately holds two to three gallons. Two and a half gallons would be an accurate picture of the pitcher. Try that fast. I did it. Thank you, Brother Mark and Tell. My God. But here's the kicker. Them big old humpback mules. Camels, not Rebecca. The camels, Brother Bushnell. One camel would drink approximately 25 gallons of water. Let me remember my beginning of today. I kept saying, if you want to live for God, you can. If you don't, you just don't want to. And that's fine. But you're not going to make heaven. And one day you're going to be sucking air on an asphalt like I did and try to repent. And you ain't got enough air to repent. And it's too late. And that little woman, Brother Hayden, watered 10 camels at 25 gallons apiece with two and a half gallons per trip. She made close to 100 trips over 250 gallons of water. Oh, y'all think I'm smart because I added that up so fast, didn't you? 250 gallons, Brother Langley. She outserved the others. And when you outserve, not because you're in a race, God looks down on you and go, You're the one I can bless. 
See, we preach blessing and blessing and blessing and shout and God. And yes, God will do it. But you may tell you what brings the greatest blessing of heaven on you and I is that I realize I'm not in this for myself. I'm in this to serve other people. I'm in this to serve. I'm in this to help somebody. I'm in this because I want to be selfless and sacrificial. And because Rebecca was willing to make a hundred chips when she didn't feel like it. 250 gallons. He said, you're the one. You're the one. I don't know about you, Brother Roger. You know what? I would be honored if President Biden called me and said, I want to have a meeting with you. Yeah, I would. He's the president. I respect his office. I would be honored. But you hear me. There's no greater honor that could ever come to me and you than God to look down upon you and I in the end of my journey, him to say, well done. When he says well done, Brother Roger, he doesn't say this. You were a successful businessman, well done. You had a lot of money, well done. You were good looking, well done. You did so great, well done. He didn't say any of that. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In other words, what he's saying is, if you started this saying God, I want to serve you. You and I have got to finish this saying I want to serve you. Because the last stamp you and I are going to get before we get into heaven is well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's about serving him. That's what causes you and I to see heaven. That's why I keep preaching it till my tongue falls out. Praise is serving him. The Bible gives us seven dimensions of praise. One of them is lifting of hands. The other one's a shout. The other one's a strong right hand. Heliel, Mitzvah, Yavdiadah. All of these words mean a way to serve him. You say, Well, I serve him. I get up in the morning and I pray. But if I don't do all that I can, He'll take the ability that I can't. That's why some people I really feel in my heart. I'm going to go deep real quick and I'll turn it back positive. People suffer affliction in their body because they refuse to praise. And God says, because you can't do it, I'm going to take your legs. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take that. And I'm going to get you to understand my praise is everything that means everything. It's the most important thing. Because when you get around the throne, there ain't going to be no silence. There ain't going to be a meditation moment. It's all going to be loud and shout and worship and the raising of a hand declaring, Hail, the King of Kings. She served and brought that water and fed her water, all them camels. And here's what happened. When she began to move, when she moved, here's what he did. He began to give her gifts. He gave her symbolically. He gave her gifts for the ear. He gave her gifts for the hand. Because what he just said was is this. I'm going to give you an ability. This is metaphorically, symbolically. God always comes to the ear gate first. I wish I had about 10 amens right there. God always comes to the ear gate first. Without your ears, you can't hear. He comes to the ear gate. He begins to deal with the ears first. That you and I hear the word. And then he says, once you hear it, then I'm going to give you an ability to use your hands as a way of worship and a way of praise and a way of servitude unto me. 
he gave her the gifts. He gave her things to show her. You need to always remember what it's going to take for you to see. This whole picture of Rebecca and ultimately Isaac is a picture of the rapture. And these are preliminary things he gave her and did for her to maintain the position. You wonder, how can I keep heaven on the front of my mind? These are the examples. I serve. I'm always attentive to hear the word of God with everything I have. And then the story progresses quickly. He goes to her house, Eliezer, the servant. He goes with Rebecca to the home. He begins to watch he goes there, he talks to her family, and finally the family, now watch this, the family comes to Rebecca and says, will you go with a man you've never seen before? Carly, hear me, or Zach, listen to me. Everything you feel in here is him saying this, will you pursue heaven though you've never seen it? Will you serve Jesus though you've never seen him? Will you reach for heaven Though you've never been there And we've never seen anybody that's come back from heaven And declares that it's real And the whole work of the bride And what the Holy Ghost is trying to do It's more than you and I just getting a tongue talking experience The Holy Ghost in you is the, is the earnest gift But it's the servant Trying to show you and I There's a better way And you've got to walk by faith Even though you don't know heaven's real Come on, I'm running out of time. Here's the point. That girl had to go, Sister Linda, with a husband that she never met. She didn't know if he was buck-toothed, crooked-nosed. She didn't know nothing other than he's Abraham's boy. She didn't know what he looked like. She didn't know what he smelled like. Come on, I'm trying to get down where we are quickly. We put all the measures on church. Well, I'll go to that church if that person don't go there no more. Oh, come on, y'all gonna make me meddle. I won't go there. I'll go to that church. Boy, but if just sister so-and-so would ever just die, I tell you what, she's so... Come on, folks, that's what people say about us. I done got two or three calls. No joke. I'll never go back there again. And that's their excuse. When really they need to realize it ain't about you, it ain't about you, it ain't about you, it ain't about you. It's about me serving God. I'm here to serve God no matter what you think about me or how you act about me. I want to please God no matter what. People will always be a Stumbling block to all of us. There'll always be an issue. But when you're in it because I want to be in the bride, you can't make me mad enough to make me quit God. You can't offend me enough. You may hurt me. You may hurt my feelings. You may, oh man, I hate that. And I'd grieve over it and I'd be sad about it because I want to like you and I want you to like me. But you know what? At the end of the day, Brother Sean, I'm going to reevaluate and go, you know what? I'm going to blind myself to that because nothing else matters but that I see heaven one day. And that little girl got offered, will you go with this man 
on his assignment when you've never seen the man you're fixing to marry. And God's asking somebody here today, will you go to a place you ain't never seen? Will you serve a man by the name of Jesus Christ that you've never met? And that is the Gentile hour we live in. And the battle every preacher faces on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, is this one battle. Trying to get the bride to buy into that it's real. That it's real. That all the junk I face every day and the struggles I face, the battles I face, it pales in comparison with how great heaven's going to be if I can stay with him along the journey. I close. Go, go to verse, you're there. Go to verse 61. Here it is. Musicians, y'all, y'all come. Sister Lisa, Sassy, y'all go ahead and come. Musicians, come. And y'all get ready. And here it is. She says, yes, I'm going to go. She made a conscientious choice. I'm going to go. I'm going to follow where you're leading. The Holy Ghost is more than just an essential for salvation. That's the key. But once you get it, this is where so many, Brother Langley, they, they forget what the Holy Ghost is all about. It's to lead you and to help you and me come to a point that I finally get to see Jesus. I'm just waiting on all the movement to stop because I see eyes darting because this is the key to the whole message. You miss this, you miss the message. Rebecca rose, her damsels, and they rode upon the camels. She said, I want this. And the biggest struggle that you and I face and people under the sound of my voice today is the struggle of, is heaven really real? Here's what we've lost sight of. It could happen before the day's over today. And we think we got another day, Brother Charlie. And at any moment, me and your heart could go just like that. I'm not trying to put fear. I'm trying to slap us with reality. That we realize what really matters is that I'm ready I do my best for my family. But let me help somebody right here. You can't make your family live for God. So what you going to do? Quit because your kids won't or your husband or wife won't? Come on, somebody. Jesus is greater than that. Let the past go. You made a mistake. You sinned. You failed God. Maybe you realize I should have done something different. Maybe I, you know... Maybe I wake up one day and said, I shouldn't have married Rhonda. You know what? It's too late. I'm stuck. I love you, but I ain't stuck. I'm stuck. It's a commitment. Because God's watching my commitment here. Even though things ain't right in my home with my commitment here. Don't let this fail. Because this ain't right at home. Well, me and hubby ain't getting along. Why does God have to pay for? Come on, somebody. Why does God have to pay for my own fighting and bickering? Where the bride 
somewhere in all of this when you can't see it you better let what you know kick in and say whoa baby I love you I'm sorry it don't matter let's just go on let's move forward together and re that commitment Rebecca rose she got on the with all the, her dancers and they rode upon the camels follow the man servant took Rebecca and went his way next verse and Isaac came from the well of the rock now get, get this seriously if you, I, I'm, I'm closing Isaac is away from his home type of Christ Christ is coming he's away from his home she is now away from her home it's a picture of when he finally comes for you and I. It's the meeting. Next verse. Watch. And Isaac, and Isaac went out to mediate in the field of Eden time. He's away from his home. Watch. And he lifts his eyes. And he saw my bride's coming. You see how excited Jesus gets? You think he's wanting, he wants to come get us worse than we want to go. That's why I said it before. He wants everybody to make it. Now we know scripture. We know not everybody's going to make it. It saddens my heart. It saddens your heart. But I'm not going to let their willingness to not go stop me from wanting to go. Because he's got a smile on his face, this sissy. And he's smiling saying, I, I, I'm going to bring you some. Micah, me, you, my daddy. See, see, Mike ain't here today. I know he had his procedure, but hear me. Here's what God's saying. I got another one coming home with me one day. CJ, I got another one. Micah, he looking at me and you saying, I got another one. Scott and Micah are going to come home with me. And he got a smile. Hey, I don't want to disappoint him. I want to keep a smile on his face. I want to stay in the bride and the church. Camels are coming. He sees his bride. Next verse. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. It's a picture of the rapture. The meeting in the air. For the Lord shall descend with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. The trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And those that are alive shall be caught up together. To meet him in the air. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. My comfort is this. When the road gets weary. You don't think it got weary for Rebecca? Watch. Riding an old camel. He better look good. He better be worth it. He better be. I'm tired. I'm weary. This camel's a rougher. Why couldn't he send a Rolls Royce for me? God ain't going to make you comfortable. God wants you to have it greater than anything. He don't want you to be comfortable on the earth. He wants you to make heaven. Stand with me. Keep that, Sister Tanya. You hear me. If there's ever preached a message again, boy, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. He don't want you comfortable. And because of the American dream, we live comfortable. And that's why heaven, we can't see no more. You go back to the early church. It was people that were persecuted. You try to, you got to beg somebody to get the Holy Ghost today. God forgive us. But I got to beg somebody to get the Holy Ghost to put your family together and save your kids. I got to beg them. It should never be that way, Brother Charlie. You know why? Because people are comfortable. Comfortable. 
happy. I don't need God. What I need him for. My daddy prays for me. My mama prays for me. That's good enough. And you need to see that picture. She lifted her eyes. The Holy Ghost in you is what gives you the strength to make the journey. When she get weary, you don't think she'd turn to Eliezer saying, come on, how much longer? I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm dusty, I'm dirty. Folks, we're all tired and weary and dusty and dirty. But Holy Ghost will keep you until the end. It'll keep you till the end. It'll keep you till the end. I'm waiting on somebody to say, yes, sir, amen, something. It'll keep you to the end. Last verse, we go home. For she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh? Watch. He came to her. She didn't go to him. No man will know the hour, Brother Sean, when he comes. But you mark it down. He's coming for you and I. You can't get good enough to make him come quicker. He's going to meet you and I at the right time. And who is this? And the servant said, it's my master. It's what I've been telling you about all along. Folks, that's what a preacher is on Sunday. It's that one telling you and I, it's going to be worth it when we get there. Heaven's going to be good when we get there. That's the purpose of the five-fold ministry. That's the purpose of five-fold ministry. Telling you and I every Sunday, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Heaven's real. Heaven's real. He said, that's my master. And she took a veil and covered herself. Thank God. She covered herself and she didn't come out in a two-piece bikini. Hello. I ain't getting no amens, but I'm right anyhow. There's qualifications for the bride. You got to be covered. and live for him from a pure heart next verse and I stop and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done and the next verse says he and her brought her into his mother's tent the Gentile church is put in the place of the Israelites at that point metaphorically prophetically typology we are in the place of the Jews right now and eventually this time's going to turn and he's going to go back to the Jews. But before, right when he turns, he's going to call his church home. And we're going to see him once again. Is there anybody here today that says, Brother Benoit, I want to make heaven my home. And today I realize God wants it to be for me more than I even know it myself. Lift your hands right now. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, talk to him right now. I want heaven to be my home. Come on, step out of that pew right now. Lift your hands as you come. Come on, just lift your hands. Lift your voice. I know the journey's tired. I know it's wearisome. But God's going to strengthen you. God's going to help you. God's going to make it where you and I. Lift your voice as they sing. Come on, let's rejoice and thank God that there's a place. 